Well, good morning, Springbrook. Uh, for those of you who are guests today, I'm Pastor Dan Harrison, and uh, this is your first time. I really want to thank you uh, for joining us, whether you heard it from a friend or a postcard or a drive-by, uh, just seeing our building. Uh, we are so privileged to have you here today, and we want to serve you. Uh, so we hope you enjoy uh, your morning. Of course, we have our grand opening of Kid City, and the kids are going to have a great time. Today we're going to look at a new series, and the series is The God I Thought I Knew. The God I Thought I Knew. People have a lot of misconceptions about who God is. They pick them up from their family, from their friends, and uh, it's really interesting when you ask people what is God like, what they say. Let me go over some of the common misconceptions about God. The first thing is that God is the judge. So some people think about God in this huge courtroom uh, somewhere up there. And he's got all these ledger books out. All right? And our name is on one of the ledger books. And every time we do a good deed, makes a check. Every time we do you know, something sinful, a bad deed, he puts a check down there. And he keeps going like that. And people who hold this view believe that if they have enough good works, if their good works outweigh their bad works, if they die, they're going to heaven. But if at the point when they die that, you know, there's more bad works than good works, then, you know, they're going to another place. Uh, what kind of God is that, really? I mean, is that a loving father? I don't think so. That's not... The God of the Bible. Another type of uh, misconception is the bad dad. The bad dad. Uh, again, we have earthly fathers. And parenting is tough. But maybe you grew up in a home uh, where the parent, uh, excuse me, the dad, uh, was oh, just not there. Just not present. Or maybe uh, this dad didn't affirm you in the right ways. Maybe this dad was uninterested in your life, uh, maybe even abusive. And so when you think of God, you're thinking, I don't think so, because there's that father connection. And you have to kind of grow through that, but many times people make uh, that connection. The next type of misconception about God is God as distance. you got to Picture God in a big, huge office building in the sky. And there's a central portion there where he's running things. And he's, you know, doing whatever he needs to do. And he's monitoring the world and changing things and dealing with world conflict. And it's God. You would expect that type of thing, right? And then you kind of think, well, God doesn't have time to think about me. <laughs> there's so many more people that he could think about. And so you feel like God's just out there. There is a God, but uh, he doesn't really have a personal concern for me. Well, that is not the God of the Bible. The next one is the no fun God, right? That's pretty popular. The no fun God. People who hear about becoming a Christ follower, that type of thing. And now remember, they're thinking of God as a judge. So they say, oh, yeah, if I became a Christ follower, I'd have to give up this, 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 this. 
my life would be so boring. All the excitement would be taken out. Of course, it's just the opposite. Your life will become really exciting, and you'll become really healthy in your relationship with God. That is not the God of the Bible, the no-fun God. Another type of God is a customized God, and this is probably what is most common in our culture today, the customized God. This is where a person uh, goes to the God buffet. <laughs> they look at all the different religions, and they look at different, like Oprah, you know, or Oprah says, you know, if you send good vibes out to the universe, good things will come to you. <laughs> okay, not true, obviously, uh, but that's kind of like the customizable God. A person develops their own God to what? To serve them, to help them maintain their lifestyle and and help things to go well in their life. That's to customize God and becoming very, very common in our culture today. Well, that is not the God of the Bible. And friends, this is why it's so important that we study God. Theology, that's a study of God. In fact, theology, um, when we talk about you know, theology, the study of God and many other topics found in Scripture, your knowledge of God determines everything in your life. It determines your worldview. It determines your attitude. It determines your relationships uh, with your family and with employees and boss. It, it determines how much you worry. It determines uh, you know, how much you, you know, really put a lot of effort into it because you don't think God's helping you. See what I'm saying? The study of God is the most important study. And we're just gonna we're just gonna touch the surface in this uh, nine week series. So the series is the God I thought I knew. Today we're talking about what does God look like to you. Next week, how does God? Why does God allow suffering? Uh, that's a that's a tough question. There are answers, but I really encourage you to be here next week. Is God really in control? How does God's holiness affect me? How do I access God's wisdom in my life? What's the purpose of God's justice? Why is God's faithfulness so important? How can I experience the love of God in my life? And how can I tap into God's power? This is going to be a great time together. We're going to learn things, and, and you'll be uh, inspired to go home and study on your own about these different attributes of God. These are really what... These things are attributes of God, things that describe God. And I just want to challenge you, all of our regular Springbrook people and our guests, you know, please make a commitment to be here all nine weeks because it's going to be a blessing to you. Just make that commitment in your heart to God right now. And if you're a guest and you like what you see here, uh, you can make that commitment and just check out Springbrook as maybe your church home. Uh, maybe you don't have a church home or you move in the area. And then after those nine weeks, you know, of course, you uh, check out other churches. Uh, but I, I'm just encouraging you in that way because this is going to be a rich, rich study. All right. Now, we're also we're doing this along with our small groups. So the small groups will be studying the DVD. 
so I'm going to preach on uh, an attribute of God. And then, uh, you see here in this uh, slide, we're going to be studying Chip Ingram's materials, God as He longs for you to see Him. And so, if you're part of a small group, and uh, if you'd like to, you can still be a part of a small group this fall. Uh, just stop by the ministry center and they can give you more information about that. But what they'll do in the small groups is they'll watch about 25 minutes of teaching from Chip Ingram on the same topic that I talk about. And then they have a time of discussion. And the most important time is when they eat together. <laughs> great, great food together, right? I tell you what, uh, small groups is just getting together in people's homes. And that's where relationships are built. That's how you really feel a part of a church. So if you haven't gotten a, to be a part of one, please uh, look at that sermon, or excuse me, look at that small group information. Now today I'm teaching on God's omniscience. God's omniscience. Whoa, that's a big word. Omniscience, but it's called uh, omniscience. Uh, it said God knows Everything. Now, this week in your DVD small group study, uh, you won't be talking about this. It's more of an introduction, and therefore uh, I just threw another attribute in here uh, so we could uh, cover more ground in getting to know God better. So that means, uh, again, God knows everything. How many people remember the last time they went to McDonald's? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. How many people remember exactly what they bought? How many people remember uh, how much it cost? How many people remember who was in the restaurant that day when you went in? Or who is the people in front of you or behind you? Okay. How many know to the exact amount the calories that you consumed that day? <laughs> All right. Uh, how, how many of you know? Now, now, that's just one visit to McDonald's. Can you remember the visit before that, the day and the date? How many minutes you spent uh, waiting in line, uh, drive through or another type of line? And how about the visit before that? Hey, listen, I, I grew up... Uh, in the 60s, born in the 60s, and we had the old style McDonald's, and oh man, I was there all the time. And I, I could never recount that kind of stuff. I tell you what, God can go to any moment in time and give me all kinds of information about my trip to McDonald's when I was six years old. All of it, I mean, He could tell me everything. He could tell every, you know, uh, visit to McDonald's that I could have <laughs> or that I, that I have had. And, and, and isn't that amazing? Not very helpful information, but uh, <laughs> but isn't that amazing? He is all knowing. Yeah. Um, Scott Phillips here. No, he, he works at McDonald's. He manages their properties. But uh, so I'm giving you a plug, bud. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's look at this verse, Hebrews 4:13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing. He knows everything. 
Now, you might have a secret in your life that you never have told anybody for whatever reason. Well, God knows. He knew before he even did whatever the secret's about. Okay? He sees everything that we do. Well, let's look at God's knowledge. God's knowledge, God knows all about himself. God knows himself completely. Now, do you know yourself completely? No. no we, we don't know ourselves completely. That's why we do stupid things, and we say stupid things. At the same time, it's when we are surprised that we have a, a, a gift or a new skill or something that we never thought we could do. Yeah, most of us, most of the information about ourselves is hidden from us. We don't know the conditions of our organs or anything like that. But God knows all that information. He knows it about himself. Totally. And so that's saying something right there. Uh, God knows all about creation. He knows all about creation. Genesis 1.21 So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So after creation had been completed, he looked down and he could see everything. He could see every tree, knew everything about that tree. He could see every rock. He could see every blade of grass, every single blade of grass there uh, in the Garden of Eden or whatever type of thing they had, who knows. Uh, he could see all the birds in the sky. And he could see all the fish in the sea. And I don't know. You think there were mosquitoes in the Garden of Eden? I, I don't know. I, I really, see, really see no purpose in mosquitoes. <laughs> How do they help us, you know? They're nuisances. But if there were mosquitoes. <laughs> I mean, right now, God can see all the mosquitoes in the world at one time. Amazing. I wish he would just kill them all. But all that, that's, that's not his will. <laughs> I'm just trying to kind of give you the broad scope of how big God's knowledge is. Another thing is that God knows about history. God knows about history. Now, this is going to blow your mind, okay? God knows everything that ever happened in history, everything that will ever happen in history. Uh, he is all-knowing. He knows also what could have happened, okay? And so it's like when you're sitting in front of a train. Uh, we planted a church, Lori and I, in Nina, Wisconsin, and I spent a lot of time watching freight trains go by. <laughs> you know, so as I was waiting, oh, no, a train. <laughs> I was just looking at the cars that were going by. I was experiencing that moment. But God was experiencing the engine and the caboose at the same time. All right? Now, this is very hard to understand. But as we talk about these things, as well, I, I don't believe that. You've got to remember that you are a creation of God. And therefore, His thoughts are higher than yours. His understanding is higher than yours. There's so many things about him that he didn't build into us. And so therefore, when we talk about these things, and uh, that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense because it's God. <laughs> you don't know God uh, like uh, you don't know God in, in 
all different ways that uh, would help you understand these things. But what, what actually happens is, is that God steps outside of time. He's outside of time, all right? So he can see what's happening in the Garden of Eden at this moment. He can see what's happening uh, in uh, the Roman Empire when Jesus Christ was crucified. He can see what's happening uh, in our day. And he's, he can see what's going to happen uh, when this world ends. He can see that all. He's outside of time. Now, again, that's something I don't understand. And God hasn't given me the ability to understand, but, but I trust that it's true. So it's unbelievable what he knows. Now, let's get a little more specific here. Let's talk about God's knowledge about you. First of all, God knows about your faults and failures. Psalm 69.5 Oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Well, that's not the best news. <laughs> I mean, he knows everything that you have ever done wrong. That has been sin against God. He knows everything that you've said. He knows every time you slandered somebody or gossiped or whatever it might be. He he remembers every incident. Not only that, but he knows every sinful thought that we ever had and that we will have in the future. So, we're dead in the water, right? <laughs> People think, yeah, I think I'm good enough to get into heaven. I'm thinking, I don't think so. <laughs> Not because I, I know them, but just because, I mean, if God sees all of that sin, I mean, forget, you know, trying to pile up the good works. That's a fruitless uh, effort. Psalm 69.5, Oh God, you know my folly, the wrongs uh, I have done are not hidden from you. He knows. Uh, remember when uh, Adam sinned in the garden and God said, uh, Adam, where are you? God never asks a question for information. <laughs> he doesn't need any information. He knows anything. When he asks questions, it's for a purpose. And that was to say, hey, I'm here and I want to talk about what happened. And when Cain killed Abel and, and God said to Cain, hey, where's your brother? He knew where his brother was. But he wanted Cain to admit to his sin. Proverbs 5.21 For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders always uh, everything we see. So he is always watching. <laughs> you know, how many billion people are in the world? He's watching every individual one of us. Not that it can blow his our mind. Uh, but that's God, and he's watching everything we do, everything we say, everything we think. And, you know, the funny thing about it is that people feel that they can hide things from God. <laughs> you know? I mean, we, we feel we can hide things, of course, from our wife or our kids or, you know, other people in our lives. And, but there's just a foolishness that thinks, yeah, you know, God doesn't know about this in some way, I mean. God knows everything. 
He's fully aware. So here's the bottom line, guys. If God knows all of our sins, it's time to confess. It's time to be honest with God. First John 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Hey, we are all sinners. In fact, we look at, uh, in terms of uh, the fact that you know, we're all sinners. And, and here's the amazing thing. All right? God knows everything about us. He knows all our weaknesses, all our sins. And He knows so much more than your wife or your friend, your husband knows. And he loves you unconditionally. Isn't that amazing? Amen? Amen. And that is the unbelievable thing about God, is that he can see all our sin, but it doesn't impact uh, his love uh, for us. And I tell you, that just warms my heart. And comforts me. That is the amazing love of God. So if you're here today and you think God is always angry at you, you're, uh, that's not the case. Uh, God loves you. And He wants to have a relationship with you. But there's a problem with you having a relationship with God. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, you know, we're talking about God, the judge on the side, uh, this guy, you know, checking off the good deeds and checking off the bad deeds. Um, well, he is recording those things. But again, the bad deeds weigh out the good deeds. Because you see, to have a relationship with God, you need to be perfect, holy, without sin. So that's not happening. Well, you're right, it's not happening. Uh, in our lives. But God has a justice system where if you sin against Him, you need to pay the penalty. And if you live a perfect life and just sin once, boom, you know, you deserve the penalty. And the penalty is eternal separation from God. And God didn't want that. That's why it says in a very well known verse, John 3 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved us. God wanted a relationship back with us. Now, He knew that we had this eternal punishment uh, uh, ahead of us, uh, but He wanted to make a way so that we would not have to experience that. So that's why He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, uh, member of the Trinity, and he came down, and he was crucified. Now, why was he crucified? How did that help us? Well, somebody had to pay the penalty, right? And Jesus Christ was a perfect man throughout his entire life. So there was no reason for him to be punished for sins. And he was God himself. That's what made him perfect. So when he hung on that cross, we focused so much on the physical things that he went through, which, of course, we should, but... You know, at noon, the lights went out, right? And that's when all of our sins and all of the sins of the world were put on His shoulders. 
That's when God turned his face away. Because he was paying the penalty that we deserve to pay. He was paying it on our behalf. And, and because he wants a relationship with us. And that's the way he worked it out in order to get around his rules in a sense. Well, not really to get around, but to satisfy his, his rules. He had to pay the penalty for us. That's how much he loves us. It's an amazing thing that whoever believes in him should not perish, not go into eternal separation and judgment, but have eternal life with him in heaven. First Peter 3.18 Describes this a little more specifically. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So Christ suffered. Why? Because he was righteous. He was holy for the unrighteous. And that's you and I. And we couldn't, we couldn't do the same thing as Christ because we're sinful. So he took our place and on the cross that day, he took the penalty of eternal punishment upon himself. And that is the great news of the gospel, that he might bring us to God. God loves you so much, he was willing to send his own son to this earth in order that you might have a relationship uh, with God. Uh, and again, it's so important, I find the majority of people I talk to, I ask them the question, if you went to heaven tonight... Uh, do you think you get in? And if they start saying, well, I've been a pretty good person, <laughs> I let them finish and everything. But eventually I get to the point, no, no, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not the case. You can never be good enough. I can never uh, be good enough. That's a works orientation, and it's not what taught in Scripture. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So when we, decide, when we come to God and say, Lord, I'm a sinful person and I've got nothing to offer. I mean, I, I'm just a sinful person. Uh, and I, I confess that before you. And I believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me was to pay the penalty for my sins. And I receive that as a gift. I receive that as a gift and I want to uh, live with you. Uh, and you have you be my Lord and Savior. At that time, when you make that commitment, it might be one-time commitment or it might be over a season of time, then you become a Christ follower. God transforms you. And, and again, I can't brag about being you know, a Christ follower because I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know? So uh, I, I, I put this uh, prayer in your notes, you can take out your sermon notes, those are the green notes. But uh, this is a type of prayer that you would pray if you never really have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, there are a lot of churches that teach, yeah, you need to accept Christ, but then you have the maintenance plan, right? The good works plan that you have to keep up. <laughs> so you have to still perform. No, 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 no. It's not by works. So he goes, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now to the free gift of your grace. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life and make me uh, the person you want me to be. Now, if you're at a point in life 
where, again, all of a sudden, through this message and other experiences in your life, that really has become clear to you. I can't work my way to heaven. I've got to trust in Jesus. I would encourage you to pray that prayer. Uh, right here in the service, silently, uh, or later on. And some of you are just kind of checking out Christianity. Okay? So maybe in the future. But again, you've got to continue to pursue. The key question in life is who is Jesus Christ? And you've got to answer that question. All right. So, uh, yeah, and I really encourage you to do that. That's, that's what our whole mission is about here at Springbrook is telling people that story about Jesus Christ and how he gave his life for us so we could have a relationship with God. That is the gospel. And that is the most important thing we communicate because we want to tell everyone so that they can experience an eternal life with God. What else uh, does God know about us? God knows all about my feelings and frustrations. Knows all of them. Psalm 131, 7. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. Hmm. So when we're afflicted, maybe you're afflicted this morning, you're distressed this morning about money, about relationships, about your job, uh, about a divorce, losing a job. God is there with you. And sometimes when we get in those situations, we feel so lonely. It's kind of like I'm the only person who feels this bad in the whole world, right? Yeah, nobody, I can't even articulate to other people how bad I feel. And even then they won't get it. Well, here's the beautiful thing about God. God knows exactly how you're feeling. And he experienced the same feelings when he was here on earth. As Jesus Christ, right? So he's been through this life. That's just another amazing thing about Christianity, that he came to this world. But, but he understands. He knows, I mean, he knows so much more about the pain that you're going through than you know. He knows all the causes. He knows what happened. He knows why you made certain decisions. And he understands. He understands your situation and again, many people think God is a God of anger. The best way to, uh, to uh, I think the best way to describe God is that he's a God of compassion. You know, you've got to look at every aspect of God, but I think that's what the world needs to hear. God is a God of compassion. I mean, Jesus Christ sent to this world the ultimate form of compassion. He loves you. He cares about you. And so I would encourage you, if you're struggling with something today, go home, just spend a few minutes with God. Maybe you want to journal out and say, God, this is one thing I know you know. You know what's going on in my heart. And therefore, since he knows, he's the best one to help, right? Amen? Yeah, he is there to help you through. Sometimes when you're totally confused, you don't know what direction to go, things are falling apart, God knows and what he'll do is you pray to him. He will bring people in your life to minister uh, to you. He'll bring scripture verses along the way. Uh, he will care for you. Uh, just so wonderful. Psalm 103, 13 and 14. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. 
He remembers, you know, that we're just a pile of organized dust. <laughs> That's a power thought for the day, right? I am a collection of dust. <laughs> that will really get your uh, good vibrations going and uh, help you feel good about yourself. I'm just, I'm just a pile of dust. You know, that's, that's all you are without God, right? Now you have your soul. That's the important thing. And, and especially, He knows how weak we are, especially as we are ill and we go through injuries or as we grow older we have different issues. He knows how weak our body is. This body was not intended to last forever. We'll get one if we're a Christ follower when we go to heaven. First Peter 5, 7, Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Each of these verses just are so precious to me and to so many of you. Because we all got burdens. You know, they're on, they're on our back, you know. <laughs> Whenever, uh, we went down to uh, an amusement park in Kansas. Worlds of fun, oceans of fun. Anybody been there before? Yeah. Well, the same thing. No matter how old my boys grow, they're like now 18 and 22 and 24. And nobody wants to carry the stupid backpack. <laughs> right? Nobody wants to carry it. I mean, it's got water in there. It's got great snacks in there. All the things they want, but they don't want to carry it. And so I'll sign different people. Okay, now you carry it. <laughs> Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> These are all adults now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what? God wants to carry your backpack. Isn't that amazing? He wants to carry your backpack. And so many times people who have been Christ followers for years are still carrying their backpack alone. No. You give it to God. Cast all your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. And you just continue to give it to Him every time it comes up. Now, of course, you need to do whatever you need to do to work on whatever issue it is. But ultimately, it's God who's in control. God who's going to make the difference. All right. Let's look at another area that God knows about you. He knows about your future. Uh Psalm 139.16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So you realize God knows every day of your life what's going to happen, how it's going to go down, and He knows it. And it's interesting the interest that people have in, in you know, the future, going to palm readers and uh, reading the horoscope and uh, they're just trying to find out what's going to go on in the future. Well, hello! God knows what's going on in the future. Shouldn't He be the only source we go to? And, and again, every day when you wake up, you might want to try this this week, is just go through your day, this, your schedule, and maybe have some concerns you have, and say, God, I know you already know what's going to go down there. And I pray that you'll give me the strength for today. To cope with whatever happens. Because we always live in fear, right? Of all the things that could happen. But if you say, God, I give you my life. 
And even if I get cancer, lose my job, whatever it might be, you, you are going to take care of me. You're going to take care of my basic needs. It doesn't mean I might have the same lifestyle. I'd have to sell my house or something of that nature. But the bottom line, he's going to take care of your basic needs. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Boy, I tell you what, that green insert you have is filled with more <laughs> comforting verses. I would encourage you to take that home and use that in your time alone with God. And just sit and meditate on each verse and let it sink into you. I mean, there, there's so many, so many wonderful verses there. Uh, God has a plan for your life, and he has a great plan for your life, uh, for you to enjoy him. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. So God knows the future, so he's going to prepare you for the future. Say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And you pray to God and say, I give this burden over to you. Show me what to do. And God will show you what to do. He'll give you insights. He'll bring people into your life. He'll read the Bible. God will show you what to do to prepare for the future. He knows what's happening, so he knows how to prepare you. So you need to get under his lordship and listen to him. He's going to show you Great and hidden things as you go deeper and deeper into your relationship with God. And the thing that drives us nuts, okay, is that, you know, the word is a light to my feet. I mean, he only gives us a little bit of information about the future. Would you, would you really like your whole life laid out at one time? And this is your life. Well, of course not. It'd freak you out. <laughs> it's like, no! <laughs> You've been shocked for three days. <laughs> A lot of good stuff in there, but there's some challenges. Hey, only one day at a time here, okay? And God gives you what you need uh, for that day. Uh, uh, another thing that God knows about you is He knows your fears. He knows your fears. Um, Jesus Christ says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? But the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So, so unbelievers, the Gentiles, they're always trying to protect themselves. They're always trying to manipulate life so everything will go well because, hey, they're the only ones who they think are in control, right? But if you're a Christ follower, you know God is in control in your life, and that just changes your whole perspective. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Now, finances are always a concern, uh, but God knows your financial needs. He knows your financial needs, and uh, He is going to provide for you. So we can uh, give that fear over to Him. Matthew 6, 8, not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Why should I pray then if God already knows? Because God wants you more than anything else. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He wants you to have faith in Him. He wants you to depend upon Him. He wants you at the center of His life. That's why we pray. Because He knows about it, but you know He might not do anything about it unless we ask Him. That's what He says. Ask, seek, knock. Right? And so that's why prayer is so important and why we're really talking a lot more about it here at Springbrook. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, probably uh, the most comforting verses 
in Scripture, the most well-known, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So my encouragement to you this week is that uh, anytime those issues come up, those burdens come up, you've got that backpack on your back, go to the Lord and give Him the backpack. And you'll take it back again, but just keep giving it over to Him because God loves you. God promises to provide for you. He knows your future. He knows everything about you. Now, again, who are you going to trust? You know, it takes a long time maybe to develop a relationship, a trust, and a friendship. But I tell you what, God is somebody that you can trust. He wants the best for you. It's a wonderful thing. Hey, I'd like uh, Brett uh, Filer to come out at this point. And he shared his testimony, uh, his story about how he became a Christ follower uh, earlier, uh, last week that is, in our baptism. And uh, man, I tell you, it was just so inspiring. I thought it would be great that if both of our service, services heard it. So uh, uh, what's your spiritual background, Brett? Well, I grew up in Niles. My parents taught me some basic things about Judaism, but I never really believed that God was real. So, like many kids, I just stopped going to church and had no interest in it. My father, he was abusive to my mother, but I, overall I had everything I wanted as a child, but I lived in a violent home. My parents got separated when I was 16, so I left home. I moved in with um, a friend of mine so my mother could get back onto her feet. I think that was the starting point for me getting into trouble. I started hanging around with the wrong people. And if I wasn't a sinner at that time, I certainly was going forward. I had a terrible attitude. I always thought I was right about everything. And this took me through my teenage years all the way to my adult life. I definitely had a problem with authority. And that led me to nothing but trouble. Well, what uh, happened after you got married? Well... I married my wife, Jody in 1984. I've been dating her for many years. She's really the best thing that ever happened to me. We, uh, we decided to have a family a little bit later on, and I have three kids as of right now. Uh, how did God start working uh, to bring you to Christ? Well, I ended up, how I ended up finding uh, God was really a process. At the time, I didn't realize it, but I had this feeling inside of me. It first started with a tattoo of a devil on my arm. I had this urge to get it off of me. I came up with this idea of covering the devil with a phoenix. And rising out of the turmoil into a sunrise would be the beginning of a new day. Um, if you don't mind, I'll show it to you. This, this is the tattoo here. The devil was up in here. And... This down here is a bunch of turmoil. You can see it's all swirls and darkness. This is really the story of my life right here. Um, Amen. The reason I had that devil up there was I was a sinner, and the sign of the devil was on me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that's what it was. But the ironic thing was when I got to the tattoo shop, the tattoo artist 
said to me, how ironic it is you're covering up the devil with a phoenix. But at the time, I never really thought about it in that manner. And he asked, you know, I asked myself, you know, is that a sign from God? And um, I started to look for other answers. So my next step was to find out as much information about God as I could. So I sought out my neighbors, Bill and Becky Ackerson. They're here at Springbrook. They invited me into their home, and I asked them several questions. This took place over a number of weeks. In that process, I started reading the Bible. I believe I read most of it in two or three months. And um, I'm sorry, I got I got confused here. No problem, bud. Well. I started reading the Bible, and, and after about two or three months, I just kept getting this calling. And, and I knew it was just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And eventually, I just knew God was calling me. And about May 15th, I was praying. I was talking to Jesus. And that's when I asked Jesus for forgiveness and accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Right. So that's your spiritual birthday. When you became alive spiritually and much more important than your physical birthday. So I always encourage people to write that down and have a celebration each year that they uh, uh, come to that anniversary of uh, becoming a Christ follower. So how, God, how has God uh, transformed your life? Well, since I found Jesus, I believe I'm a better person. The weight of sin has been lifted off of my shoulders. I no longer fear death. I know I'm going to heaven. Before that, I knew I was going to hell because of my sinful ways. Um, but now I know that becoming a Christ follower is not about anything that I can do. It's about what Jesus has done for me and you. I, I can't get enough of Jesus. I talk to him throughout the day. I talk to everybody I can about God. It's my responsibility to do so. I try to spread the message of the gospel. I still have regret. I believe my biggest regret is I did not bring God to my family. I pray for that every day that my family will be saved. Jesus Christ has totally changed my life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And with him giving me that, I have greater compassion for people. I don't swear anymore. I'm a better husband. I try to serve my wife now instead of just having her serve me. Um, I'm better with my children. At work, I'm a better employee. I know how to deal with conflict. I know how to deal with my boss, and things don't get me upset anymore. It, you know, it's a tough thing to do, but it totally changed my life. What else has happened recently that's been exciting? Well, I just want to tell everybody about Jesus. Um, he transformed my life, truly. And one of the greatest joys of my life is I have my oldest daughter, Samantha, and she now has a personal relationship with Jesus. All right. <laughs> well, Brett, uh, you are a living example of the power of God and how it transforms a person. I mean, it's a, I mean when you think about the contrast, that, that, that can only be God that will make such a, a, a difference in your life. And I just want to thank you for uh, sharing... Uh, with our family, your story, and it's such an encouragement. And that's what our church is about. There's so many people out there like you, you know, who are searching for answers, and that's why we're here. We're going to do everything we can uh, to develop relationships with those people, love them, 
and uh, introduce them to Jesus Christ. Can I just say one thing? Yeah, sure. You know, if any of you are seekers out there or on the border, I was basically an atheist. You know, I never believed in God, and that was the furthest thing from my mind. But he truly has changed my life. And this is just not something on paper. This is from my heart right now. He can change your life. He can help you. Just keep your heart open. That's all he needs, just an open heart. And your life can change. Amen. And, and again, uh, that prayer is in, on the green sheet. And uh, if you understand it and genuinely want to do that, just say that prayer today. And I encourage you to tell us if you do that, okay, uh, on your communication card. Uh, I you know, became a Christ follower, and we'd love to follow up with you and encourage you. Let's pray for Brett. Lord, just thank you for Brett. Thank you for, uh, man, I just so, get so jazzed when I hear stories like that of your power. It's just evidence that you are real and that you do change lives. And I pray you be with Brett as he starts out his a new walk with you and also his daughter, Sam. And I pray that we as a disciple-making family would be able to encourage them and help them along as they work through uh, uh, all kinds of issues that come. You know, when you're growing as a Christian, Lord, we praise you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, buddy. Thank you.